Sports Maneuver Radio. That's right. Are you ready for this? And you'll listen to Skull Down just like this. Lisa Nooch, I Nooch, and EJ, the Brain We are now live in three, two, one. Hello again, everybody. This is Sports Palooza Radio, and I am EJ, that Rainmaker guy. And of course, I am hanging out with the lovely Lisa today. Nooch, little Nooch, what's happening over there, little Nooch? <laughs> Not much go not much going on. We've got a great show today and lots to talk about. Yeah, pretty cool book. I mean, you know, it's, it's different when you have a book like this where it's a lot of photos. I mean, it's basically more about the photos than it is about the story almost. I mean, the story itself is of course Arthur Ashe and uh, my goodness, what a what a how do you even start with what Arthur Ashe meant to the tennis community, much less uh, a lot more than just the tennis community. Um we have the book called Crossing the Lines, Arthur Ashe at the 1968 U.S. Open. And all the photographs were provided by John Zimmerman. And today, we have Linda Zimmerman coming on to talk about what her dad did and what her dad has done in his career. Of course, John's no longer with us. But Linda has all of his archives. And oh my goodness, that woman has more photos than I think she knows what to do with. Yeah, I mean, he left a legacy behind, you know, he started out his career actually photographing um, for Sports Illustrated. Even before that, he was one of the photographers when I and I can't remember which uh, person it was, but an assassination attempt, a presidential assassination attempt. And no, No. it was much earlier than that. I do actually say it in the interview. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. And um, I, I just found like his history and the things that he accomplished where other photographers now benefit from and and the things that he created and like you called yeah, that him panoramic a, view that they talk about yeah. i mean he's the one who started doing all different angles and and and, and you know how they do all that panoramic when they, when you see those guys are carrying the football headed one way and all of a sudden they spin and turn around and he was like a pioneer I mean, that's the word you he use really yeah was he a was a pioneer and i mean you take a look at some of these photos from the olympics that he took and they have these really, really cool lines that follow the runners, and that was an effect that his his photography equipment was able to achieve, and it was just really cool. And this book is beautiful; it's oh. completely in black and white. Um, and I love, love I love black and white. Yeah. I mean, I was a huge Ansel Adams fan growing up, where I collected all the the calendars, and I had his work on my wall, and I just love black and white photographs. And I just think that not only do they tell, they they strip the color out and they to me they leave the story you know even though there's story when you put color in a photograph i think when you strip the color out it takes more of an intensity to the story yeah. or to what's happening. Yeah. Um, Almost old schoolish. You know what I mean? Because we exactly. don't, don't see many books anymore with, with that. Everything's color, of course, now because everything's in HD and everything's, uh, you know, digitally enhanced yep. and all that. And yeah, it's nice to see a book that really there wasn't all that much enhancement to it. Black and white is just simple and it's, yeah. and it's gorgeous. It's classic. It's gorgeous. I, Absolutely. I love that view. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to have Linda on. We, we were going to actually have Rex Miller come on the show, but uh, Rex couldn't make it, and that's okay. We'll, we'll get Rex back on again sometime other, uh, on the air. We'll, yep. we'll figure that out. But um, we certainly want to thank Linda for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we, we having Linda here, she was phenomenal. I mean, she, yeah. she wasn't even sure what we were going to talk about. We were like, you know what? 
We'll get you talking, Linda. Don't you worry about that. So, um, all right, let's. Uh, you want to bring in, bring in Linda, and we'll have our interview, and then we'll come back and talk about some stuff. So, enjoy the interview. We'll be right back. I hope Rex joins. You know that was one assignment, and we okay. have over sixteen hundred assignments. So he he was a prolific photographer, and we have to be really strategic because there's only so much time. I mean, that book took two years, uh, and. You know, I'm in my mid-50s, so we have to be selective. And what we try to do is pick um, assignments to highlight through books and exhibitions that will, um, like, leave breadcrumbs to all the different things that are in the archive. Um, because, it's, wow. you know, I was really fascinated to look back in your archive because you cover so many of the subjects, hockey, and in the early days of Sports Illustrated, they covered so many, such a diversity of sport. Now it's much more narrow, you know, football, basketball. But you cover a lot of those. You highlight a lot of different kinds of sports, you know, dressage. And he 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 photographed all of that. Yeah, much less the swimsuit stuff. I mean, it goes yeah. on. Yeah, and we're we're going to get to all of that. I don't want to. You're you're saying some good stuff, so I don't I don't <laughs> want to lose that. Um, is, is well, Rex I was thinking though that we're are we going to? How did you learn about the Arthur Ashe book? Um, I'm on a variety of press lists and things, so when the book went out, um, I saw it and decided that it would be perfect for our show. Um, we focus on a lot of books here, and this one was just yeah. perfect timing, and, you know, so I, I thought it was a great thing to do. Um, and then I heard that are you, Rex Miller is also coming on here, too. Um, EJ is definitely a tennis fan. I watched... Yeah, go ahead. I watch periodically. Yeah, I, I haven't missed since 1972. I've had breakfast at Wimbledon with my own bagel, and <laughs> every year since 1972, I don't miss tennis. I don't stop watching tennis. So yeah, this is. I remember Arthur asked quite well. Obviously, I mean, I got to luckily enjoy a plenty of his playing days. So that was. Uh, yeah, this is amazing. Like, uh, and even to have you here too uh, to talk about your some of your father's work. Uh, hello, like that's just we we couldn't. I mean, we've been on the air for five years, and having you guys on is like wow. Like we're 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 overwhelmed to be honest with you. We we're totally impressed by what your father's done. I mean his. That's ridiculous. No, no offense, like don't take the wrong word. <laughs> well, did you go to the <laughs> open this year? No, God, but that was certainly something I would love to talk about, too, because of how all that went down. I, I mean, that was obviously terrible. But at the same token, we have a black woman who is chasing Margaret Court's all-time record. So it kind of correlates. 50 years later, we have a black woman who's chasing some of these historic things on, on the tennis courts. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing the correlation between the two of them. Uh, Arthur Ashe and Venus both kind of have the same backstory. So it's... To me, it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I love this stuff. <laughs> now, did, did were you able to research Rex at all? Rex yeah, Miller, the filmmaker. Rex, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, of course, he's coming on our air today. You better, of course, we're going to look into Rex. He's <laughs> pretty amazing, okay, too. Okay, because, he, because um, uh, I, it's kind of an interesting connection how the book is separate from the film, but... Um, I reached. Well, I'll get into it if like later. But um, I reached yeah, out well, to Rex because I had seen his film on Althea Gibson, and I asked if he would be interested in doing something with our photos, and because uh, I was so impressed with how he used photography in Althea, and 
he he's like, ah, I just finished Althea. I spent like five years on it. I'm not going to fundraise, but send me the photos, you know, and that's how it began. And now he's wow. finishing up his film on Arthur Ashe. It's more in the context of what was going on in 1968, I think. I'll be interested yeah. to hear what he has to say about that. Yeah, hopefully he'll be jumping on here soon. Uh, we'll definitely be waiting for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't wait to see the documentary as well. I mean, it's, I, I love when people put out a book and then they're like, you know what? We have more. I wish we could open the book and click on a link and watch a documentary from the book. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get well, there. Well, actually, the Rex will the, tell you, but the digital he, age that we're he, in now. Hopefully, we'll get to the point where a hard copy book will actually have a link and a video in it. That would be amazing. <laughs> he did a virtual reality exhibit. Um, which is yeah, I why see. I asked if you had been to the open yeah, because yeah. there was a whole section where you put on that headgear and he creates, yeah. you're, you're like with Arthur Ashe when he's getting ready to go on to the court to play the finals. Oh. It was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, in addition to, he, he curated an outdoor exhibit there of my father's photos. Mm. My goodness. Yeah, um, I'm seeing it on Ashe, I'm on Ashe68.com and I see the whole my goodness, that experience had to be quite that. <laughs> what an experience that had yeah, to be. Yeah, and I'm glad he's going to be on because he's taken a deep dive into Arthur's life and worked with uh, his widow and his brother and um, all the people who were around him in the photos. Um, it, you know, okay. uh, we're approaching it more as an archive we uh, and, a, and a book project, so I'm not uh, the expert on Arthur Ashe's life that he is. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly put myself there too. I, like, I, like I said, I see so much of him play. Man, what a story too. Obviously, losing him the way we did, just forty-nine years old. Well, come on, I mean, that's just yeah. man, <laughs> man. All right, well, we don't have Rex on yet, but uh, Lisa and I, I mean, we can get started if you want to get started, and we'll just bring you in, and hopefully, he'll chime in here as soon as we get, you know, into the interview. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. All right, cool. All right, well, we'll go live in three and two and one, and I'll count down, and then we'll just okay. Start and it's just my, I have two little if, dogs, and I put them in the back room, so I hope, like, if they, I hope they don't bark. Oh no, if they bark, we we we'll we'll, we'll talk about that too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll welcome them to the show just as well. So it's okay. <laughs> it's like that. Okay, I'm only. Kidding. You guys are All fun. Right. Um, yeah, it's, you know, if you're not having fun, then what are you doing? Right? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go live in three, two, one here, and then uh, I'll, I'll bring you in as if we're on the air because it's going to be obviously uh, we'll air the piece here later. Okay, you ready? Okay. All right, in three and two. All right, well we are here with Linda Zimmerman, who have uh, Linda Zimmerman is the daughter of John Zimmerman, who put all the photographs in the book Crossing the Line, Arthur Ashe at the 1968 Open. Well, and Linda, thank you so much. For coming on our show, please tell everybody like you know, who your dad was and, and what this man John Zimmerman accomplished in his life. What your dad was amazing. That, that's all I have to say. <laughs> oh well, thank you, EJ and Lisa, for inviting us to come on and talk about the book and the film. Um, yeah, I manage an archive devoted to my father's work. Uh, I, along with my two brothers, we all bring different skill sets to it. Uh, my dad had a, uh, quite a career. He, 40 years, um, beginning in 1950 to 1990, and he's probably best known for his sports photography. Uh, he was one of the first staff photographers at Sports Illustrated. He joined in 1955, I believe. Um, and
and he'd been really lucky. He went to a one. Of, he went to a high school in Los Angeles that had the only vocational photography program in the country, and it produced eight Life magazine photographers. Uh, mm. And it was it, it was started by a Hollywood cinematographer who treated the students like newspaper reporters, and he would send them out uh, into Los Angeles to go to, you know. Um, jazz clubs, uh, sports arenas, and so they just developed um, quick-thinking skills on how to photograph and, and try new things. You know, he'd say, go to a track meet and don't photograph the action on the field, photograph, you know, tell, tell the story another way. So they, my dad was known as um, an innovative photographer. He did things like put a camera behind the hockey net for the first time or behind the basketball um, net and, uh, you know, experimented with strobes and lighting um, to all to bring the um, viewer closer to the action. And, so, and now we're um, to the point where it's like a 360-degree angle and all the stuff that he... I mean, he, your, your father was a pioneer. I mean, there's no other verbiage to use for him. I mean, what what he was creating, like you like you're talking about now, were angles and different different things more than just here's a view of the game. No, no, no. Here's more. <laughs> like he just created the more aspect of just watching a game on TV. In my opinion. Right, and it was um, just before television, and it anticip his work anticipates a lot of what we now take for granted with television coverage. Um, yep. You know, when he went One to the, his, first, his first Olympics was 1956 in um, Australia, Melbourne, and, oh. and um, Sports Illustrated only sent two photographers, and the access that they had was unbelievable. Uh, you know, and now, of course, because television is uh, on the top, the, the photographers, their access is extremely limited, and there's so many more photographers. Yeah, you have to actually jump through a million a million hoops just to even be on that roster anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly not as easy as it was back then. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite photos that I've seen was um, when he when when you have a picture of the runners and the the lines are behind them and they're all like these color lines and it just looks like they're running and that's their speed behind them. I mean, it's it's a beautiful effect. You know, and it, it's just, I mean, you can sit here, we can do an entire show just on all of the sports photos that he took and what they meant, and it, it's its unbelievable. I mean, I told EJ before I got on the phone that I was actually nervous <laughs> to do this interview because of the impact that your dad has had not only, you know, I mean, of course, photography, but in the sports world, I mean, the, the stuff that we've seen has his name attached it to it and it's it's just it just it's history that we get a chance to talk to you about for a little while and that's amazing. Yeah. More well, about I tell the you that the um, pictures that you were referencing I think I know them what's fascinating about that is he did that it was um a pre-olympic trial in Eugene and he he actually did that uh during the competition he put up uh, black paper at a certain part of the track, which he knew the athletes were going to run past, and, and so that to me is what's so uh, amazing that it's not like some um, specific.
specific studio shoot where he could get them over and over again. A lot of these photographs he set up to get, and he just had to be there at the right time to capture it. And for him, he would spend hours preparing. Like on his ski assignments, he would show up and ski the runs um, before the Olympic before the downhillers would go down. And he would pick his spots, and then he would just. Yeah, so he'd be there hours before uh, other photographers showed up, and uh, it was he, a lot of, um, you know, like when he put the camera behind the basketball net, he studied um, Alcindor for uh, so many games to figure out where he was likely to do that skyhook and what was going to happen so that his camera could be in the right place. Right. Yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we all know who uh, Lou Alcindor ended up being, of course, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But, um, but, but, wow, we have to get to this book, of course. Now, you have all these photos. <laughs> now, I mean, you have all these photos of Arthur Ashe, obviously, and, and now you're trying to figure out, well, you know what? There's got to be something that needs to be done with the amount of books. Because this book is, is, I mean, I don't want to call it a photo book, but holy crow, there are more photos in this book. It, a beautiful Beautiful, from his serve all the way through all the action on on the tennis court that day in 1968 was amazing. But all right, how, let's talk about the process. You have all these photos. How do you get together with Rex Miller, and why would you pick Rex to work on this project with? So the, the, you you two ask such great questions, uh, and it's always a pleasure to listen to your previous interviews. So. Um, we're a historical archive. We're not generating any new content. So we have to keep an eye on the calendar and what anniversaries are coming up. We actually had this film returned to us um, 10 years ago. And, wow. um, and we knew it was great. Um, we knew, you know, there's 43 roles, so there's like 1,600. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there over 1,000 photographs. We, wow. So we knew we had that and then we were looking for an anniversary that would be meaningful to bring them out and so a couple years before in 2016 um, I started you know reaching out uh, to because we knew we wanted to use these photographs to help mark uh, Ash's historic victory in 68 because no um, African American man has still ever won the U.S. Open um, and yep. given how his life played out, uh, it the photos, which were never run in Life magazine, I, I can mention a word about that, they were never published. It w- would be spectacular to, to have something to mark the anniversary. With the historical archive, if we didn't do anything for the 50th anniversary and we tried to come out with something later, you the news cycle goes on and you don't really have the attention that you would when the spotlight is on the U.S. Open. So that was a deadline for us. Um, So we reached out to a number of publishers because we knew we wanted to do a book. And uh, interestingly, a number of U.S. publishers said uh, they didn't think there was enough material for a book. Uh, And so (laughs) (laughs) Hannibal Publishing is in Belgium and we had worked with them previously. They did a, bit, a book with us called America Black and White, America in Black and White, about my dad's um, early black and white photos. He, he, we didn't realize this until after he died and we found scrapbooks, but he was in the Deep South, and he worked for Ebony and Life magazine in the early 50s. 
So there's a lot of fascinating material on the um, Jim Crow South. But anyway, um, and that is to say that he, that's the milieu that Arthur Ashe grew up in, so he understood that well. Um, with this life invited him to, it was a surprise that Arthur Ashe got to the finals of, of the men's singles. So they called my dad at the last minute and they asked him to do a photo essay, um, you know, cover Ashe off court as well as the action of the final. And that's what Life magazine did so well right that was their trademark get, uh, the mm-hmm. photo essay it was an incredible format so we have 43 rolls of of black and white film that my dad shot over 36 hours and um the the dynamic duo in belgium um uh arne de winde and Levin van speybrock that's quite a mouthful they came up with the concept <laughs> of the 36 hours and uh, you know, they have a design flair, and if you notice, like, the color photo on the cover, the grass is, they colorized the photo, and the um, end papers of the book are green for the grass. I mean, it's just beautifully laid out, uh, and uh, they invited the um, the different voices. Uh, I, I don't know if you, did you, did you have a chance to read the essays and the interviews? Oh, we, we read everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, maybe you can, maybe you can, um, to talk about what you your impressions of the book were, I so I don't go on and on. Well, I was actually what the interesting thing is is for me, you know, I'm a journalist, and I remember, you know, like when when I was growing up, you wanted to be either in time or in life as a journalist and as a photographer, and it was because they told these stories as you were talking about. And nowadays, everybody's looking for that one big viral moment, right. that one big, you know, one photo. And if you look through this book, what I thought was oh. super cool is there's this one picture, and like you said, you know, they're kind of following Arthur Ashe around through this U.S. Open. Right. And he is, I, I think, I can't really tell what he's doing in this. It looks might be a plain thing or mm-hmm. signing in somewhere, but he has this crossword puzzle that he's been, that he's working the on New York in this, Times. yeah in this one shot and then if you go several photos da- back he's at the subway still Doing working on that same puzzle <laughs> and to me that's that that like other people might not look at that as like this awesome part of the story but that's what a photojournalist does is yeah. they tell this story and this crossword puzzle carries through is that must have been Arthur Ashe's way of decompressing. Right. Yeah, no cell phones. No cell phones. Right, exactly. Uh, he, I guess he was a um, Charlie Passerell, his UCLA roommate and Davis Cup teammate, says he was a uh, crossword puzzle fanatic. Wow. Yeah. Let me ask you, like, when, when you um, got, you know, you started working and going through this archive, did you come across, like, any kind of stories that your dad had in terms of, like, the actual, you know, process of meeting Arthur Ashe and meeting some of these other – did he document any kind of the, the experiences that he had other than the photos? Well, we're very fortunate in that w- my uh, mother uh, was an archivist of sorts as well as his manager for many years, an agent, and so we have a lot of documentation and um, 
invoices. And so we were able to look back at the invoice um, for the Arthur Ashe assignment and find out exactly where he was when and who, were, who was in the pictures because a lot of time when these assignments, we just have lots and lots of film and it wasn't, a, a number of these assignments are unpublished so you don't have the writer's story with signposts of who people are and what the story was about. Um, so in this case, our family grew up playing tennis, and Arthur Ashe was a hero for us, and we knew, we recognized right away, oh, that's Stan Smith, and oh, that's Donald Dell, and Bud Collins, and so that was an era that we lived through, and, um, you know, it, it was it was a very um, special, we had a special connection to the material. So with all of this material and, and the archives, I, I mean, I know you released this book on Arthur Ashe, but why not a biography on your dad? Uh, that's a good idea. We, you know, um, I think, <laughs> as as I said, you know, we, we have over, this is one assignment, and he, his career was 40 years. He was working prolifically, so we have um, over 1,600 assignments. And we we need to just be um, strategic because each this this took a little over two years to put the book together. And I should mention, so um, we also wanted to do a um, an exhibition, a photo exhibition, and a film, a documentary film uh, with the photos. And so I reached out to Rex Miller. I had seen his film on Althea Gibson. It's called Althea, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was terrific, uh, uh, and uh, and I, I loved the way he used the different photographs, um, glass plate negatives. I mean, just a variety, and th- it was it was wonderful. So I reached out to Rex and I asked him if he would uh, be interested in in seeing these photos, and he said yes. And then um, it, what was great about it is he had spent three or four or five years working in Althea. He's a, a fantastic cinematographer who does his own projects, you know, in the in-between. I mean, uh, so he, Althea was a labor of love for him. And so he, he said, okay, one thing I can tell you right now, I am not going to fundraise for this film, you know. And, and so, um, and then he's ended up, of course, having to do a lot of fundraising. And his film, it's called, I, I believe it's going to be called Ash 68, I'm not sure, but it, it um, will feature some of our photos. And uh, it, it puts this achievement of Arthur Ashe's within the context of all that was going on in 1968, because it was such a tumultuous yeah. time for it, for the country. Oh. Yes, uh, and and it's amazing. You know, I actually wish for one reason. Obviously, you wish for many reasons your dad was still here. But for the one reason I wish he was here was to be able to talk about the change that we haven't seen enough of, Linda. You know, it's, ni- it's 1968, and we all know. You know, I, I was born in '69, so I, I kind of missed a, a chunk of that. But yet, we all know. You know, it's 2018, and and things are not exactly where they should be. Not only in this country, but everywhere. I mean, I, I think the racial stuff has just got to be put to rest at some point. I I I know Lisa and I are pretty tired of it. We didn't want to bring it up too much on the air, but it's just enough already. What what is I, you know? I, I I'm tired of it to be honest with you. And I wish more people would just kind of get over the fact that we're all here together. <laughs> we're all here together, and it really doesn't matter what 
yeah, it doesn't matter. And, and and stuff like this, I love the books like this when you get to go to the history. And, and, and it's not only just about black history, too, because it's, it's just history, period. So it's just sports history. And that, that's what makes books like this even better. Because, yes, Arthur Ashe was obviously went through a ton. I mean, being the first black man, especially in the 1960s, to do anything was amazing. And of course, it's going to be well documented. Uh, you know, and, and this book <laughs> certainly does that this man arthur ash was an incredible man i you know anyone who thinks well he died of aids he must have this and he must have that no that was just a blood transfusion and that was as unfortunate an incident as you could get and losing him was devastating to the tennis world obviously we all know arthur ash stadium and you know i'd like you to tell everybody what they could have experienced had they gone to the u.s open this past year and you make me feel bad off the air for not going down there this year because I would have loved to have gone down there and see that whole entire, uh, 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 oh, my God, the displays and the virtual reality. Will you please tell everybody what ha- happened at this year's U.S. Open? Sure. So uh, I, did I mention that Rex Miller, in addition to the documentary film that will be out um, probably early next year, he he's done a virtual reality, a seven-minute virtual reality experience. So at the U.S. Open, there was a space where you would go in and you could put, it was like a recreation of Forest Hills, um, really artfully done by Bill Sullivan, oh. who he was working with on that. And there were um, placards to tell you a little bit about the history, but then you put on the, the what are the, what's it called, the head, headsets, and you were with Arthur Ashe as he was at, at Forest Hills preparing to go on court to play the finals. And um, uh, there, there's also uh, clay and sand animation in there. They're just the visuals are, are, like, off the charts, and it's very engaging whether you're, like, an older person like me or a, a youngster. And um, that, I think, is going to be traveling with his film um, to uh, maybe across the country, and then there's there was also an outdoor exhibition of our photos that he put together, uh, beautifully curated. They were 16 outdoor panels, and people would be taking pictures of themselves in front of them and Instagramming them, and uh, that was that was neat too. Um, but one one thing I did want to say, just to uh, respond to where we are at this moment, um, I uh, for the book we interviewed Simone Manuel the Olympic swimmer who um, mm-hmm. became the first uh, black, uh, the first African-American uh, to win a gold medal at the Olympics, uh, an individual gold medal at the Olympics. And um, that was really inspiring in a way because Ash, who was such a scholar as well as an athlete, wrote in his hard road to glory, the, that three-volume history of the African-American athlete, that he, he, it was very prescient. He said, you know, there will be, uh, I think he even called out the Williams sisters. They were very young, but he said, they will be great. There will be a great golfer. There will be great black athletes in swimming. And, you know, she, so she broke the color barrier, and as he did in tennis, she did in swimming. But it's a woman because of Title IX, right? We, so there's some progress. Thank you, Billie Jean King. <laughs> and um, right. she, despite all of the, huge offers for Simone to turn pro, I guess, and um, she, okay, she stayed at Stanford for three years, then she decided to um, give up the last year of NCAA eligibility, and so this year she's finishing her degree at Stanford, but she's a professional, and she's going to be 
training with the team to prepare for the Tokyo Olympics. And I, I just thought that was inspiring, first of all, because the temptation not to stay in school for some of these elite athletes is enormous, right? right. And her commitment, she was really clear, education is number one for me and my family. Yep. And, you know, it's amazing you bring up Tokyo. I look what just happened in our U.S. Open that we just mentioned. I mean, the first Japanese woman or man to win a major tennis event just happened. And, 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 and of course, it happened against Serena, who's chasing history, as we all know, chasing the Margaret Court thing, 23 and 24, one more major. That, that, that obviously was unfortunate how it all kind of played out. But, you know, you, you talk about breakthroughs, um, what Naomi just did for Japanese tennis, uh, you, you think about anybody who, who watched tennis in the 70s, 60s, going back to the 20s when England was just that dominant. I don't think anybody would ever have said, I, well, I, we won't see a Japanese woman win a major event. Oh, guess what? Yes, we will. And, and that's more pioneer stuff. You know what I mean, Naomi? I hope, Naomi, you know, that experience for her really wasn't what it should have been. I hope it, does, I hope it doesn't retract from her further career because she's quite an athlete. I mean, she really did beat Serena pretty well. Uh, you know, just the way it played out, stunk. But, um, you know, I, 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 another, another, another um, what do you call it, another milestone for, for another race or another, you know, society where J- Japan tennis is now in the spotlight. And that's great. I, I think that was a, a historic win for every, all, how many, how many 10-year-old, I said this at least off the air, how many 10-year-old Japanese girls now think, you know what, I just watched Naomi do it. You know what, maybe the, lev- maybe the playing field is a little more level than we thought. And that, to me, is what, you know, when, when you talk about black athletes breaking through certain molds, how, you know, it, it, it happens it, with Japanese women. It happens with all this kind of stuff. I, I, for me, I, I loved it. I, I don't know what your take on all that is. Oh, wait, uh, Lisa? No, go ahead. No, you're, she was asking you. <laughs> oh, no, well, you, um, what my take on uh, Naomi and uh, uh, Serena yeah, well, just, you know, the Japanese women finally breaking through and, and, and talking about how, you know, we talk about black people and, and the African-Americans breaking through certain certain things, and now we have a Japanese woman who just did it. So there, there's, it's just as symbolic to me as, as, as it was when Arthur Ashe was doing it and when, you know, Jackie Robinson and Kurt Flood were doing it. I mean, it's, it's, it's another milestone that, that, that people have this, you know, stigma that, that you know, that certain races or certain things can't compete against. I think that's ridiculous, and I'm just glad to see it's being broken. I, I just, what, what, you know, I wanted to get your take on the whole seeing Naomi win for Japan and putting Japanese tennis on the, on the map like that. You're so eloquent, EJ. I can't improve on that. I agree completely. Okay. <laughs> <All right>. Really? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I want to... I want to actually just tell our listeners that this book, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's a coffee table book. It's Crossing the Line, Arthur Ashe at the 1968 U.S. Open. Amazing. I have to ask you, though, you know, and I meant to ask you this earlier, every single photo in here that, you know, you talked a little bit about this earlier with the cover, but every single photo inside is black and white. And I was wondering, did your dad have any, um, I mean, was, was the assignment to do it in black and white, or did you guys choose to run it in black and white? Or, you know, yeah, but there was color film in 1968. So was there any color film done on the U.S. Open that you guys have? I'm just curious on the layout. That's such a great question. Uh, you know, so 
with those publications like Time and Life, they often in the 60s would run a color cover, and then maybe um, the cover story might have um, some pages of um, color, but there it was a lot of black and white photos. And so we do have um, a very few color photos. I think the assignment was mostly that he was going to be documenting um, Ash, uh, you know, in his life, and to be able to uh, do that, it, black and white was the best way. Um, another photographer uh, who got the cover, Dick Meek, he was uh, seemed to be shooting more in in color. So uh, we we don't have a lot of color uh, for this story, and sometimes wow. it's because the color wasn't returned to us, or um, you know, most of the time, in the majority of cases, my father. Um, was a freelancer, and he retained the copyright to his material, which is why we have so much. Um, and that was important to him. Uh, so, in um, so we should have a lot of the material. But in those early days, um, a lot could happen. I mean, art directors would say, "Oh, I'd love to see those slides," and we're talking color transparencies, and they would go out to agencies and just never make their way back. You know, so um, there right. are some classic right. shots that have been lost. Even still, I want to tell people, you know, nowadays we're so used, and I mentioned the, the, the picture, the color photos that I was talking about earlier with the runners and the lights behind them and the colors behind them. But I have a thing for black and white. Yeah. I love black and white photos, and, and this is just stunning to me. It is. And uh, I think that, you know, oh, I, I've said so this well before, it, it is very well put together, and I've said this before to our listeners, that the holidays are coming up. If you have a tennis fan, a sports fan in your life, and you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift to get them or holiday gift to this get them, it, yeah. this is it. I mean, this is an amazing book. You're go- I, the entire time you've been talking, I'm going back and she forth. She has been just flicking through the back and, forth, <laughs> back and forth. You just don't stop looking. And every time you look at a photo, you see something new. And uh, it's, it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And, Linda, I am thrilled that, that yeah. you came on to talk to us about your dad. I mean, we please think about that biography. Please. Because your, your dad didn't just, <laughs> you know, didn't just do sports. I mean, so I, I read about, you know, him being one of the first photographers to get photos of the attempted assassination of President Truman. He's done the Olympics. He's done – he's worked with Sports Illustrated. Right, Sports Illustrated and, 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 you know, all the technology things that he's done, the remote control, cameras on the backboards, all this other stuff. I'm going to tell you my daughter is a photography major right now at SUNY Purchase. Yep. She graduates this year. And the things that she's learning, a lot of the technology come from what your dad did. So even if – you know, you write the book as a biography or something that photography students can learn about, I think it needs to be done. So that's my spiel. Yep. <laughs> well, Lisa, so maybe we could work on it together. Oh, hey, don't, I, I, don't I, threaten I, us with a good time. <laughs> I've actually, I am a writer, and I actually have written yeah. 17 books yes. and would be honored no idea. to talk to a publisher and work with you on a biography about your dad. Please. I would, I would honestly be honored. My so, God. you know, you and I can talk separately, but let's tell our listeners how they get a copy of this book and when they can expect the documentary to come out so that they know. Okay. Um 
the book is available on Amazon, uh, and uh, the Rex's film, uh, I believe, will be due out early next year. Yeah, InstantAsh68.com, as, as you mentioned. He made a website for it already when you mentioned Ash68. That's why I said, you are right, because he does have Ash68.com already purchased, and he has a bunch of the coverage of the VR experience that we mentioned down at the U.S. Open, and the, the film of a great picture of Arthur Ashe on the cover. I, I, man, just seeing that picture. You know, just, I, I believe, too, E.J., that um, uh, Sports Illustrated did a piece on – I know they did a piece on our photos, and then they added Rex's VR. Uh, so I think that you can, if you maybe Google Sports Illustrated um, Ash Virtual Reality Experience, you might be able to uh, get a teaser on that uh, right then. Documentary. Well, luckily, we have a copy of the book. Or, or the virtual yeah. reality. <laughs> And also, yeah, if you wanted to get a taste, um, there is, uh, the New York Times did an excerpt of one of the contributors' essays, Maurice Berger. He writes a wonderful blog called Race Stories, and so they um, reprinted his essay from the book with a gallery of photos. So if you wanted to get a taste wow. of the book, you could do it that way. Wow. I hope you and Lisa get together and do that. That, that would be Amazing. I would love to see that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show yeah. and sharing all of this yeah. with us and, and getting the word out about this incredible book. Linda, thank you so much yeah. for being here. We really do So much, Linda. It. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you both. Bye-bye. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. That's just awesome. I mean, that's just awesome. Linda's so cool, and obviously her dad was tremendous. Yeah, that would be amazing to see you two work on a project. I, I, I hope that comes to fruition, of course. It's always a dream that many of us have, but, uh, you and know. you know what? Even if it's not me, just to get somebody, somebody to, to do a book on this man's career, the things that – I mean, obviously, he's not with us anymore. To yeah. talk to him and get his uh, memories of the things that he shot from his perspective, but just to have something to talk about, every, all the different things that he's accomplished would just be uh, yeah. amazing. And what's and, nice yeah. about it is we have Linda as someone who was there, you know, going through what some, yeah. some of the stuff that he was doing. You but know. I don't know if, if you remembered, like, Linda actually said that she didn't know until going through the archives that he worked on Ebony Magazine. Right. So Ebony Magazine, obviously, yep. is a magazine for African-American men and women. And um, to think that, that he, throughout all of this, actually documented things during racial time, racial hard times. Right. Talk about breaking um, boundaries. Right. And then had the opportunity to now document Arthur Ashe's success. Yeah. He is quoted in the book as saying something like it, it was a, he was able to go back to um, what he enjoyed doing for Ebony, yeah. uh, you know, and bring it here in, in this assignment. And it, it, it just needs to be said. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep, fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, again, uh, Linda, thank you so much for coming on the air and hanging out with us. I hope we didn't make you nervous. <laughs> oh, we had fun with her before we came on the air talking to her. So we just, oh boy, uh, it's just a lot of fun. And and her, I can't believe what her father has really done. It's amazing. And I think you have a plan here with Linda coming up. What's happening with any no, of that? We're, no, we're, no, we're just kind of talking a little bit okay. about maybe doing some articles on her dad's work, Man. and you know, who knows what the potential will hold for that book down the road. It needs but, to be out 
out there. I kind of put the little bit of an earworm in her to just at least start thinking about it. Whether I do it or somebody else does it, it doesn't really yeah, matter. We have but to do it. It, it just <laughs> – it, it's something that I think um, the – People who study photography, like my daughter, as well as people who love sports, and there's a lot of different places uh, that this book can be, uh, you know, utilized yeah. for. So, yeah, we'll see what happens about yeah. that. Yeah, but in, um, I will actually move on to other news about a different book. Um, I would actually like to announce that I just signed contracts for my next book. Which is, you know, I've mentioned several times that I write on location a film and TV lovers travel guide. And this time the name of the book is Road Trip, the Sports Lovers Travel Guide to Museums, Halls of Fame, Fantasy Camps, Stadium Tours and more. And my publishing company for my film book, Glow Pico Press, is the same publishing company for this book. So thank you so much for trusting me with yet another travel book. Mm. It'll be out in 2020. Uh, it'll be early 2020, so you won't have to wait too, too long. And I'm going to be working really hard on this. And what I'd like to, if anybody's listening and you guys have stories to tell about how you went around the country and saw every single stadium or how you achieved a lifetime goal like I did of stepping on Lambeau Field or how you went to a fantasy camp and got to play ball with the New York Yankees yeah. or meet football some of your camp. Players. Right. Yeah. Meet some of your favorite players. Or maybe you took a. Uh, boat cruise with you know your favorite football team. I know they, I've done well, that. Did you? I did that. I did, did the do? sports afloat cruise with uh, 1999, and uh, my God, that was a blast. I ended up meeting a ton of people. Other Charles Haley was on that cruise. It's like the first cruise I ever took on the Nor- on the Norway uh, Norwegian cruise line, and yeah, 1999. And uh, man, I did the sports afloat cruise. That was so much fun. I got to meet a bunch of people. I actually got to meet Carlos Valderrama too. Any any soccer fan out there in Venezuela knows him. Ah, oh, baby. So yeah, I had that was fun. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, done it. That been is there, super that. cool. And I mean, <laughs> speaking of soccer, if you've been to the World Cup and now is like on your bucket list, get in touch with me. I'd love to put intertwine some of these stories in with some of the facts so that people understand. Hey, I've given you all the facts, but these are people who went out and actually yeah. did it. Personal so, stories are awesome. Right. Yeah. So you can reach out to me through Twitter. I'm at Virgin Traveler, um, or you can reach out to me through our new Sports Travel Twitter site, which is Sports Travel Fun and let me know your story. I'd love yeah. to hear it. And we still have a contest running, huh? We do. Until November 1st, uh, we are giving away two Magical Butters. If you listen to our previous podcast, we had our guest on, Garen Angel, who talked to us about the use of cannabis and can- cannabis oil. Cannabid oil. Cannabid oil yeah. in, uh, in sports. And he has a product that um, helps to make different products using um makes butter makes butter yeah. so that you so, can make other it's like gar- it's like garlic butter but better <laughs> <laughs> um and he's giving two of those products to us to yeah. give away to it's you guys awesome. and all you have to do to win is just tweet to us at palooza radio and this is what you have to tweet i want to win hashtag magical butter now the only the only thing that you have to worry about is that you must be following us in order to enter this contest. That's not tough. You must be 21 years of age or older. That's not tough. And you must be living in the United States. And that's not tough either. And if you fit all three of those categories, feel free to enter. We're going to take um, entrance all the way through to the end of the month. And then we will choose two winners where we will then put you in contact with Garen's company mm-hmm. and they will send you the items directly to your home. That's right. 
That's so, awesome. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And thank you to Garen for uh, doing that with yeah, us. Even I appreciate offering it. Offering to do that. It's tremendous. Those things are not cheap. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's goodness. right. It's not like a t shirt. Yeah. And so thank you very much. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, so that's all I got for today. Yeah, we really cool. wanted to get this interview out to you guys. And, and it's Saturday, and EJ's got sports to watch. And, uh, you know, it's football weekend. Yeah. So, got to get back to the sports. Well, you got Woodstock stuff still going on, too? I do have the Woodstock Film Festival still going on. I'm heading back up there tonight, yep. and I'm watching um, – well, I get to switch off of sports and go watch a rom-com, and oh, poor me. Uh, <laughs> mm. And then tomorrow I have an actor's dialogue where I get to uh, see Steve Buscemi and um, a couple other actors who are going to talk about the actor's life. See? And, yep, and I'm excited about that. That's what I'm doing this weekend, so it's movie after movie after movie. That's fun. And I love that's, it. That's right in your wheelhouse. That is my wheelhouse. <laughs> I own that wheelhouse. Yep. I put my shingle out on that wheelhouse. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so. let's get everybody out of here. Uh, again, thank you to Linda so much. Uh, tr- phenomenal interview. I uh, had so much fun having her on the air. Uh, it's so cool to hear her talking about her dad and what he accomplished. And yep. So, yeah, thanks to Linda, and uh, thanks to all of you for checking us out this week. And um, hopefully we'll be back pretty soon here, and uh, we'll get everybody out of here. So we'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.